0: Seek to better understand who this Lord of all is because he's kind of important. Let's see the Lord, the Lord. He describes himself as Lord. Come on, switch. There we go. Lord the compassionate. Say that with me. Lord, the compassionate. Oh, yes. One of the ways that God demonstrates to us that he is Lord, the compassionate, is that he has preserved his word, the Bible. See, without the Bible, although we have All Humanity is without excuse of being able to see that he is creator. We could never know the detail of who he is apart from the inspired, written word of God that has been preserved to this day and will forever be preserved. God wants we, his creation, to know what he is like. What he is like. So that in time, all might come to know him personally. Know him as a friend. Isn't that a message that is so valuable in our day and age? That God just isn't way out there somewhere. He's not angry and mad and ready to whack us. No, he wants to be our friend. God wants his creation to know what he is like so that in time we might come to know him personally and know him as his friend. And Jesus left his students with a command to go and share God's word, share with others what God is like so that they too in time might come to know him personally. And know him as their friend. Jesus' first students made and baptized and began to teach new students of Jesus. And Christ's church began to multiply. Many a man and woman and boy and girl has found out who Jesus is and confessed Jesus as Lord and became his friend He is the Lord, the compassionate, for the Bible tells us so. But how many of you know that somewhere along the way, the narrative has changed, or at least the emphasis or the intent, or whatever that word is, something has changed And the church, rather than sharing the Lord compassionate, begun to cling to the words on the surface of the Old Testament. Rather than viewing the whole of Scripture through the lens of the reason for the blood of Christ, the words of the Old Testament, what have we learned God is angry, he's mad, and he can't wait to whack you. Notice how I said he can't wait to whack you, because I'm in. Right? It's an underlying tone in a message today. It's us and you. We're in, and you're out, so you better get in. Right? In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11 tells us the first time, one of those instances where it's perceived that God is angry, he's had enough, and he's about to whack, and, and that's it. Genesis 6 11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. Is that true? It is. It's true. But when we look at that and we see it for what it is, we have to look at through the context of the scarlet thread that runs from beginning to end. In the beginning, God created everything that is. And God created on the sixth day the crown of his creation. He created man and woman in his own image and likeness. Let us create. Let us make them in our image, in our likeness, created in the image of God. The next time you look in the mirror, before you listen to what negativity and the devil would tell you, say and watch your mouth speak the words, I am created in the image and likeness of God. That's why we're hated by the devil, right? he's not but we understand and we know that that we talked about last week that there were all of these things that they were charged to do all of these things that they had permission to do and there was one thing just one thing to not do just just don't eat the fruit of that tree just don't eat that right? And how many times do we see it repeated over and over and over in little children that we're trying to teach them to be safe? Oh, don't put your finger in that light socket. Right? You see, something happened in that moment in the fall that the wiring was changed inside of us, still created in the image and likeness of God, and yet the wiring has changed to reach out and to take that which I want, whether I'm allowed to or not. Now think about God in this way. Think about what happened between the moment of the fall and this moment when God proclaimed, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence I'm about to bring a flood. I'm about to right what's been wrong. But notice that God didn't completely start over because there was someone that was righteous. We know that Noah was a righteous man. And God said to build the ark. We look and we see about all of the others. There were Two, there were four, there were six, there were eight people that were in the ark. What about all of the other people? God is a horrible, must be horrible that he was that angry that he would destroy all of these. We missed the point. The point is, look what happens to the human condition without the God of love and the God of peace. That is our course to run separated from God. And God of compassion said, I'm not going to completely annihilate my creation, but I am going to start over, if you will. And this one was preserved. It was out of compassion, if you will, for the depravity, just how far depraved we could go as a species apart from God. God preserved us, and God preserved Noah because the Lord in all things is compassionate. Through Noah, the Lord, the compassionate one, made it possible to start over a better way. There's a better way than the way it ended for everyone else. The Lord, compassionate, did start over. But just when humanity began to turn sideways again in the city of Babel in the great tower reaching up to the heavens, the Lord, compassionate, found a man. He presented to Abram, There's a better way, Abram. There's a better way. By trusting in and following the Lord God... Abram would become, as Genesis 12, 2 said, blessed, a great nation, and a great name. Very cool, very awesome, very wonderful, beyond Abram's imagination what that meant. And through Abram, the Lord compassionate would bless all the peoples of the earth. That's what the Bible tells us. Some of those peoples we find in the book of Jonah. For as the book of Jonah begins, we find that wickedness of the people of Nineveh had come up to the Lord. When I I think about this passage and other ones, the the pleasing aroma that permeates through Leviticus. That this wickedness, this not a pleasing aroma of the Lord, the, the stench of what comes of humanity... When we're separated from God. That it had come up to him. And picture that aroma coming up to him. The wickedness of the people of Nineveh had come up to the Lord, the compassionate. The people of Nineveh. I hope you catch this. Please, church, catch this. The people of Nineveh did not know the Lord. They didn't know Him. And certainly they didn't know the Lord compassionate. They did not know. And as all they knew was that they were human beings, they had fleshly desires, they did whatever seemed right in their own eyes, they were attempting to fill, they were attempting to fill that empty space on the inside. They were trying to find that something that would bring meaning in life. They were trying to find that something to stand on firm, that foundation that didn't sway like the sand along the seashore. They were attempting to fill that empty space inside with whatever the world had to offer them because they didn't know anything else. I hope you're getting this, church. So just when we're doing what comes naturally that had nearly run its course again that originally led to their version of the flood, the Lord Compassionate sent the prophet Jonah to preach against the city, to preach against its wickedness. And again, on the surface, God can easily appear to be super angry with them. He's about to destroy these heathen people. But the blood of Christ that runs through the scarlet thread begs to differ. Begs to differ. Because at the conclusion of the book of Jonah... Angry and mad Jonah, isn't that what he was like? Spoiled, rotten little baby. He's mad. He's mad because this vine that had brought him shade the night before, he had nothing to do with it, but it caused shame and uh, 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 shade, had died overnight and it wasn't there, and he was hot and he was all burned up, and he was mad basically, not about the vine, he was mad. Because God had yet to wipe all those godless people from the earth. He was mad. He was spitting nails. Wondering what God was waiting for. Do you know how the Lord compassionate responded to those questions? Do you know how the Lord... Compassionate responded to Jonah in Jonah 4:11. In case you don't know, I'm going to put it up there for you. That's not what he said. What did I do? He said, here's what he said, I don't know how I got that wrong up there. He said, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. He said, should I not be concerned about that great city? More than 120,000 people that do not know their right hand from their left. Did they know their right hand from their left? I'm sure they did. Do you think that's what God was talking about? They don't know which way to go. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Should I not be concerned about this great city? It's why Jesus had compassion for the mass of people following him. In Matthew 9, 36, Jesus said, They were harassed and helpless, for their shepherds heaped high mounds of rules on them and regulations and expectations on them. That's the carry version of what Jesus was saying. Their shepherds judged them For where they were, rather than meeting them where they were and having compassion on them, than sharing in both word and deed, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate. It's why Jesus wept. It's why while hanging on the cross, Jesus cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. They know not the Lord, the compassionate. It's why in Revelation 21.4, it tells us that there will come a day when the Lord compassionate will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It's true. It's true. This world is filled with trouble and trials and tragedy, and it is not possible for us to navigate around them without those landmines coming. It's it's not possible. But it's all of the more reason that the peoples of the world that are walking in great darkness, what they're really looking for is that great light. And Jesus Christ is the great light. He is the only hope. He is the sure and solid foundation that never shifts like shifting sand. The truth is that the Lord, he's not angry with people he's not angry about what they do he's not excited to bring trouble upon people he's not he's deeply compassionate for people with a desire for all to come to him and be saved The truth is that the Lord is not angry. Hellfire and brimstone, that's our wording of what ought to happen to those people. But the truth is the Lord is compassionate. He went to great lengths to communicate, to preserve this truth for generations to read and hear and accept the truth that the Lord is compassionate. Friends, it's time for a new generation of Christians to repent of the ideology that God is angry and He can't wait to whack people. Clouds and it clouds and it calluses our hearts when we believe the words on the surface of the Old Testament and we treat the peoples of today the way we perceive God really is. It's time for each one of us to see and to turn away from these ways, to turn away from our inner Jonah with regards to the people of our modern-day Nineveh. I would like us, before we close from this message, to just take a moment to seek the face of the Lord compassionate to seek his hand, to seek his word, to seek the Lord compassionate that he might change our perspective because he changes our hearts.